Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series on stories associated with Jesus, antidotes and anecdotes. Today we consider the questions, why isn't life fair? Why do good things happen to bad people? Join us now for the message, Getting What We Deserve. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. I'm Jane Grainer and I'm the senior pastor. And I'm Wesley McCall and I'm the music director. A little bit later in our service, we're going to be asking the question, why isn't life fair? Why doesn't God make things fair for everyone? Why do good things happen to bad people? So stay tuned for our message, Getting What We Deserve. Now, in the meantime, we will, as usual, be taking our live prayer request during the service. If you have a joy or a concern or you would like to have a blessing, then please just post that in the Facebook feed, and we'll get to that just a little bit later after the sermon. I would also like to invite you, if you have not done so already, to please make an offering to the ministry of this church. That way we can keep this technology going and keep these worship services on the air, at least until we get back into our sanctuary, and then we'll still keep them on the air, even when we're meeting again in person. You can do this through uh, our website, tumcd.org, through the Church Center app, or through just mailing a check to the church office. I would also like to remind you that next Sunday, next Sunday, September 5th, will be Communion Sunday. 
So you have a week to get your uh, grape juice or wine and some sort of bread uh, ready for the be the elements for our communion service next Sunday. And I wanted to go ahead and announce our communion rail offering for the month of September. If you're like me, you have been watching the news in the last few weeks and watching what's happened in Afghanistan, and your heart has been breaking for the Afghan people and for uh, our servicemen and women that are over there trying to help out and get them get everyone out in time that needs to come out. So we made a decision to postpone our the one that we had uh, designated for September. That's our Sager Brown Ministry. We'll have them be the Rail Communion offering in October. But this month for September, our Communion Rail offering will be going specifically to the uh, Afghanistan Undesignated Fund for UMCOR. UMCOR is the United Methodist Committee on Relief, and it's the official organization of the United Methodist Church that does disaster and development ministries around the world. And they have several projects going on in Afghanistan. And right now they need the flexibility to apply that money to wherever it is needed in Afghanistan. And so that's why we decided on the Afghan undesignated fund to give the UMCOR officials the flexibility they need to be able to help the most people in a situation that is very fluid and is changing frequently. Uh, some of the things that might go to, uh, UMCOR right now is offering cash assist assistance to displaced families there in the Kabul area. Uh, they get to choose uh, whether to spend it on food, shelter, or medicine as their needs dictate. They're also uh, using some of the funds, UMCOR, to assist in refugee resettlement. And we know many of these Afghan refugees will be coming to the United States. And this will give UMCOR money to be able to assist those refugees, not only in getting out of Afghanistan, but then getting resettled as well. Our communion rail offering, you can also give to that through um, the church center app or through uh, mailing a, a check to the church office. And I encourage you to be as generous as you can be. As you know, the situation there is quite dire. We have been announced that we, uh, our charge conference, this is our annual business meeting of the church. That has been scheduled for November 6th. That's a Saturday at two o'clock. We have many months now to get ready for that, but you may want to go ahead and be putting that in your calendars. Saturday, November 6th at two o'clock. And unlike the last few years, we will be having an, uh, uh, a congregational charge conference, just Trinity, with our new district superintendent, Edlin Cowley. <clears throat> and the site where that will be will be announced later as we get closer uh, to that date. In the meantime, I would like to remind you about our connection groups. We have three connection groups here at our church. Two meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30. We have our UM Disciplines class that meets via Skype and our Lyft class, which meets via Zoom. Right now, they're reading the book, Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. And Evelyn Tanner is leading that particular study. And then on Wednesday evenings at 7, we have our pastor's Bible study and right now, we are still in the middle of the book of Genesis. And so now let us enter into a spirit of worship and prayer with this centering psalm. From Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised his greatness is unsearchable. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him.
And now for our opening prayer. God of grace and mercy, whether we are lifelong laborers or new arrivals in your vineyard, we know you value us just as we are. God of the last, God of the first, God of all those in between, hear this prayer as we seek your presence in our lives and in a world in need. Amen. And now, even though we cannot be together in the same space, we are together in the same time. So as usual, my prayer for you is peace be with you. Now for our prayer of illumination. Holy God, author of the word made flesh, open us to your spirit that as scripture is spoken and your word proclaimed, we may be comforted, convinced, and changed to the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them out into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same, and at about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. And so he said, You also go into the vineyard, and when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I give you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, I usually say that I grew up in Fort Worth, but actually I grew up in Haltom City, which is the suburb that's right to the northeast of Fort Worth. But there in Haltom City, we actually lived down the street from a country club, Diamond Oaks Country Club. 
Now, believe me, this is not as fancy as it sounds. In fact, sometimes we jokingly refer to this country club as the Kmart Country Club because it was not it was it was pretty modest by country club standards. But you know, it really was nice that us kids could just walk down a few houses and there we'd be at the club and we had a pool there that we can swim during the summer. My dad played golf there every Saturday. My brother and I both learned how to play tennis there at the club. Now there was another family who also belonged to the club and they were also members of our church. And they had two boys. One of them was about my age and the other one was maybe, I don't know, two or three years older. And these boys were in youth group with me. Uh, we were with youth group together for many, many years. And they were both a little socially awkward, but they, were, but they were sweet guys and they were funny. But we were always aware that the father was a very strict, a very stern man. And he never seemed to smile. In fact, for that matter, for that matter, the mother never smiled either because she seemed to be in a perpetual state of fear. We knew to never go to their home because all the father did was scream. What I didn't find out until what I didn't find out until later, and I found this out from my dad, is that none of the other men there in the country club uh, they didn't like that father at all. They had, observed, they had observed him trying to teach his boys to swim, and they were put off by just how harsh he was with, my, with his sons. Even in public, he would openly belittle and shame the boys. And, you know, shame is not a very good teaching tool. Well, it was years later when we heard the news the elder son had been arrested for outstanding traffic tickets. And while he was there in the city jail, he took the sheet off the bed and he hung himself. Now people do not usually hang themselves just because they got too many traffic tickets. Something similar in fact happened to another friend of mine in college. She had accumulated so many unpaid traffic tickets that the campus police actually came to her class and arrested her in front of her professor, in front of all her classmates. She was sent off in handcuffs and was sent there to the campus jail where she had to stay until those fines were paid for. Now, was she embarrassed? Of course she was. In fact, she was mortified. Uh, was she in fear of telling her parents what had happened? Of course. Her parents were mortified and they were not happy with her at all. Did she consider killing herself? No, not once. In fact, later she turned this all into an hilarious story that actually would have all of us friends on the floor rolling. People do not usually hang themselves because they have outstanding traffic tickets. According to my dad, when the men of the country club found out the elder son had committed suicide, at first they just sat there in silence. And after a while, one of the men said, I guess he just couldn't stand to face that bully of a father one more time. When I heard the news, I asked about the younger son. Oh, he's been homeless for years. No one even knows how to get a hold of him. How is it that two boys who grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood whose family was affluent enough to belong to a country club, who went to church every Sunday, who were active members of the youth group. How did these two boys come to such tragic ends? The deepest wounds are the ones we cannot see. People can look fine on the outside and yet on the inside, they harbor broken hearts and broken minds and broken souls. We never know the baggage that haunts some people. We don't know their story or what they've been through. For all we know, they may have grown up with an abusive bully of a father. And when people are wounded and broken on the inside, then the choices they make on the outside can seem baffling. Why does she keep going back to that abusive husband? Why does he blow his paycheck every week on liquor? Why does she just keep 
racking up higher and higher credit card balances on things she doesn't need. Why would someone hang themselves over unpaid traffic tickets? Why do people make poor life choices? Well, the reasons, of course, they're very complex. Uh, the most common reason, though, is that someone in their past, someone who was supposed to be caring for them, someone who was supposed to be looking after them, that person made poor life choices. My friend's father decided to be mean and abusive, so the sons were damaged, and th their damage resulted in poor life choices. But that father probably had someone who abused him, someone who was supposed to be looking out for him and for his best interest, and so he was left damaged. A few years ago, a study came out that examined children's ability to endure delayed gratification, and it was based on a classic psychological study that I remember uh, studying about when I was a psychology major in college. Now, in the classic study, an adult would lead a child into a room that was full of toys, and there would be a marshmallow there on the counter. And the researcher would say to the child that he or she had a choice. They could either eat the marshmallow now, or they could hold off until the researcher returned. If they managed to hold off till then, then they could get two marshmallows. And then the researcher would leave the room for about 15 minutes. Well, as you can imagine, some children went over to the counter and they wolfed down that marshmallow the moment the researcher closed the door. Other children tried to hold out against temptation, but they just couldn't quite do it. And they ended up eating the marshmallow before the researcher returned. Other kids were able to hold off, even though they might keep looking over at that marshmallow and checking the door to see if the researcher was coming, but yet they managed not to eat the marshmallow. And then there were kids that just turned and started playing with the toys and didn't seem distracted at all until the researcher came back. As you might expect, the children who were able to resist eating the marshmallow, who were able to delay gratification, they grew up to be adults that generally made good life choices. And the children who went ahead and ate the marshmallow grew up to be adults who generally made poor life choices because they could not delay gratification. Now that was the classic study. The new study that came out just a few years ago went back and examined the backgrounds of the children who were part of that classic study. It ends up that the children who were able to delay gratification tended to grow up in homes where there was stability and continuity. Life followed a schedule and adults did what they said that they would do. Children unable to delay gratification tended to grow up in chaotic homes where there was no set schedule. They were often in poverty. Adults acted erratically and didn't always follow through on what they had promised there may or may not be food available later on. The children who abstained from eating the marshmallow lived in a world where adults kept their promises. <clears throat> if the researcher said that he would be back in a few minutes with two marshmallows, then they believed that the researcher would be back in a few minutes with two marshmallows. It was safe to wait. The children who ate the marshmallows, however, lived in a world where adults acted erratically. The researcher may or may not come back later. He may or may not bring back two marshmallows. It's even possible that the researcher might come back and take away the one marshmallow that was there. It was better to eat it now because it wasn't safe to wait. If you think about it, both approaches actually make very logical sense if you consider the environment in which the child grew up. So what does all this mean? It means that understanding why some people make bad life choices, whether it's abusive parents or mental illness, an erratic household, chronic poverty, whatever it is, if we can understand that, then that can lead us to a place of compassion instead of judgment. It can lead us then to a state of grace. 
Over the years, I've had many people say that they really do not like this parable of Jesus and the laborers in the vineyard. This parable really ends up bothering them because in their eyes, it seems so unfair. The laborers who sweated all day long, whose backs were now aching in pain, they were paid the same as someone who only came in and worked for one hour? Come on, what's fair about that? People who work hard, who play by the rules, make good life choices, take responsibility for themselves, they can really get ticked off, and for good reason, with deadbeats and loafers who, take it, who seem to get advantages that they didn't earn. You know, doing the right thing should come with some sort of reward. I mean, shouldn't it? The grapes in the vineyards of Palestine became ripe in late September. Uh, workers only had a few weeks to work the harvest until the fall rains came. So during those few weeks, laborers would work 12-hour days hauling in the grapes. Not unlike today, day laborers were at the bottom of the labor food chain. Men would gather early in the marketplace at around 6 a.m. Then the vineyard owners would come and hire the laborers that they needed for that day. Now, the typical wage for a full day's work for unskilled laborers was one denarius, a denarius being a silver Roman coin. A denarius would feed you and maybe your family for one day, but that was about all. It was subsistence wages. In Jesus' parable, a landowner goes out to the marketplace at six in the morning to hire some day laborers to work his vineyard, and he agrees to pay them one denarius for one day's work. The landlord uh, hires several laborers who, for that agreed-upon price. At nine o'clock, the landowner goes out again to hire laborers, and he says he'll pay them whatever is right. He goes out at noon, hires more, and again at three, and hiring still more laborers, and just saying that he's going to give them whatever is right. Then at five o'clock, the landowner goes out yet again into the marketplace, and there he finds others standing around, and he asks them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they say to them, because no one has hired us. Then he says to him, you also, you go into the vineyard. He doesn't even offer to pay them anything. He just tells them to go out into the vineyard. Then at six o'clock, just one hour later, the working day, day ends and the laborers gather around to get paid. And the law stipulated that a day laborer's wage had to be given him that day so that he would be able to uh, go and buy something to eat for that evening. So the landowner lines them up in the reverse, reverse order, rather, the reverse order in which he has hired them with the most recently hired being the first to be paid and the earliest hired to be the last that were paid. And the landowner ends up paying them all, all the laborers, the same daily wage of one denarius. And those who were hired early in the day thought this was most unfair and complained bitterly. And to this, the landowner replied, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs with you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? That last phrase, are you envious because I am generous? I think that is the most provocative verse in the entire parable, and it gets the crux of the matter. Are we going to be envious because God chooses to be generous? The mistake we make is to believe that we have earned or could ever earn the blessings that God has poured out upon us. All of us laborers in the kingdom of God, we receive from God, out of God's limitless grace. And because God loves all, then all are invited into the kingdom, even at that very last hour. And those of us who've been around since six or nine in the morning, we should rejoice at God's good generosity. But if this is the case, we may ask, then why try and be good? Why not just 
lead our lives any way we want to, making bad decisions all along the way, and just plan on making that last-minute deathbed conversion. I mean, we're going to receive the same gift of eternal life either way, right? Well, I would suggest that there is every advantage to being one of God's long-term laborers. First of all, you never know. You might die suddenly and never get a chance to make that last-minute deathbed conversion. Uh, but there are other very good reasons as well. Consider the laborers that the landowner hired early in the day. Instead of wondering all day long if they or their families would even have something to eat that night, they worked all day long in the security that they will be able to provide. They will be able to have their daily bread. In contrast, the laborers hired late in the day would have spent most of the day in a heightened state of anxiety. Moreover, the laborers that were hired late in the day were essentially, they were the leftovers. The young, the strong, the healthy, they were the ones that were hired first, leaving the old, the very young, and the less than healthy to fend for themselves. Likewise, those of us who've been Christians for years, maybe even for our entire lives, We've spent years now enjoying our relationship with God and our relationships with our church family. And because of these relationships, we have been able to make better decisions with our lives and have therefore been able to reap the rewards of a happier, more stable, and less stressed life. Being able to be in relationship with God and to have the privilege to work for the kingdom that in itself is its own reward. Making good life choices is in and of itself its own reward. Those of, uh, those of us who make poor life decisions aren't getting away with something. Such people usually live very stressed lives dealing with the consequences of their actions. And at the end of the day, if we all receive the same wage, well, you know, I'm okay with that because my life with God in the vineyard has been nothing but a blessing. I'm not going to judge those who've made poor life choices. They wouldn't be making those choices if they hadn't at some point been wounded in their lives. If I'm able to make good life choices, it's because I have been given so much. I've been given a stable home and a loving family and a wealth of great opportunities. And the fact that I've been given a stable home and a loving family and a wealth of good opportunities, that meant that even on those occasions when I made less than an optimal decision about my life, I rarely had to suffer any truly significant repercussions or consequences because my privilege protected me. My ability to make good life choices is in and of itself a gift that I did not earn. And, and I want to repeat that again because I think it's so important. Our ability to make good life choices is in and of itself a gift that we did not earn. It was given to us by those who went before. Life is not fair. My friends from the youth group didn't deserve an abusive father. Children do not deserve to live in erratic households. Children do not deserve to live in poverty. Life is not fair. But before I get upset or resentful, when I see people receiving blessings from God that I don't think they earned, then I have to remember that yes, life is unfair, but 90% of the time, that has worked out in my favor. I have been very blessed. And just as life isn't fair, in a way, God isn't fair, at least not from a human point of view. God spreads that grace about to just anybody, whether we approve of them or not. God isn't fair, but God is just, and God is merciful. If we struggle to understand that justice and that mercy, if we struggle to understand why God is generous, if we struggle with the fact that God never quits inviting sinners to the vineyard, then remember, as God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. People, including ourselves, don't always get what they deserve. And frankly, for most of us, that's good news. Because no matter how well you have lived your life, there is eventually going to become some day when we need the grace to be invited back into the vineyard. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. Amen. Thank you, Lauren. That was beautiful. I love that arrangement. And now we're going to come to the part of our service where we lift up our concerns to the Lord. And uh, the concerns that were sent in were actually ones I already had on a list of concerns, because right now, as y'all are aware, there's a lot in the world. 
that we need to be praying for right now. Now, as I lift up each concern, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and you please respond, hear our prayer. And so we want to start off, I think the top of most of our lists is prayers for Afghanistan and the Afghan people. I want to pray for every single Afghan out there. Um, the, the, the everyday Afghans in the street, the Afghans that are trying to get out of the country, even the Afghans that are Taliban or even ISIS. I want to be praying for all of them to be able to hear the voice of God giving them instruction in their life about what needs to happen. I want to pray specifically for uh, all of those that were affected by uh, the terrorists' uh, incident. Uh, what they said on the news this morning, <clears throat> that we had 170 Afghans that were killed and 30 U.S. service members. So we want to be pr praying especially for the friends and family of those that were killed or wounded in the terrorist attack. I think all of us have also been particularly worried about what's going to be happening to the women and girls of Afghanistan. And I read another article just this morning that the LGBTQ community in Afghanistan is terrified because when the Taliban was in power last time, they would go door to door to kill all the gay and trans people that they could find. And they're trying to get out of the country and groups here in the United States are trying to uh, convince the government to specifically designate LGBTQ members of Afghan society as those that are eligible to be resettled as refugees. So I wanna be praying for all the Afghan people, the women, the girls, the LGBTQ community, and pray that everyone can get out safely. And so for all of these, I ask, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We know that as we have been worshiping, as best we could with the technical uh, situation we had, while we've been worshiping, Hurricane Ida has made landfall near Grand Isle, Louisiana. And so, as many of you are aware, today is the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And here it is coming right back to the New Orleans area. So we want to be praying for all the people there in Grand Isle, in New Orleans, in Louisiana and Mississippi, as today they get a reminder of what things were like 16 years ago. We pray that people are safe, that they're protected from injury, that there are no deaths, and that people can feel the comfort and presence of God as they go through what can be a terrifying experience. And we want to remember those who are still recovering from Hurricane Grace and Hurricane Fred and Hurricane Henri, as well as those suffering from the Haitian earthquake and the worldwide fires and the Tennessee flooding. There's just so many people out there right now who have been suffering from the results of natural disasters. And we want to raise all of them up to the Lord. And so we ask, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We also have then some personal prayer requests. Um, uh, Jenna McCall has asked for us to pray for her grandmother, Rita, she was diagnosed with renal failure three weeks ago, and she is now on hospice. So we want to be praying for Rita and all of, and for Jenna and Wesley and all of their family and friends as her grandmother goes through these last stages of life. We pray that Rita feels the comfort and presence of God. We pray for the medical team who will be caring for her, that all will be in the presence in the arms of the Lord. And so we ask this, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We also want to be praying for June Hairston. Friday evening, her brother Clay died of COVID out in California. And this was particularly disturbing because Clay, even though he was 98 years old, he was in excellent health, took no prescription medications, and had been fully vaccinated. And yet still... When he got sick with COVID, he did succumb. Thankfully, June was able to visit with him just not too long ago. He came here for a month. 
but we still want to be praying for Clay's family and particularly for Clay's children because they lost their mother to complications of Alzheimer's just a few months ago. So they've lost both of their parents within just a few months of each other. So for June and all the family and friends of Clay, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. I also want to raise up the Price family. This was a family um, uh, from uh, Northgate UMC, and uh, the daughter and the father have been hospitalized with COVID. And so we want to be praying for Carissa and praying for Ray, who are in hospitalized, different hospitals right now, as they try to recover from COVID. This same family lost their older daughter just a few years ago, who was only 26 years old and died of complications of type two diabetes. And the mother of that family died of cancer a few years ago. Right now, only the son, Austin, is healthy, but he's also the caretaker. So we need God's blessings for him as well. So for the entire Price family, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we want to just be continuing to pray in general for all those who are affected by COVID, all those who remain sick, all of the medical team, the family, the friends, uh, particularly for educators, the students, teachers, and staff, as they uh, start another school year still dealing with the COVID crisis. So for all those affected by COVID, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We didn't have any joys this morning, unfortunately, so I will add this one. Thanks be to God that we finally got our technical problems under control and were able to continue with uh, our worship service. It is by a wing and a prayer that we are able to have the technology that makes this possible. Even though we had recently purchased uh, so much technology, the equipment that we bought and the software we bought was never designed to do what we're trying to do right now. And I am incredibly grateful for our worship team and uh, particularly for the Elliots, Bill and Janice and Jennifer, who have worked so hard to make this technology do something it was not designed to do and to keep us on the air. I appreciate you guys so much, and I am so grateful that you are a part of our church family. And um, I believe that your presence here in this, in this church is the work of the Lord, and therefore, thanks be to God. And now, with the confidence that we all have as the children of God, let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Don't forget about the September rail offering, communion rail offering, going to the UMCOR Afghanistan Fund. Don't forget that next Sunday is communion Sunday, so have that bread and either grape juice or wine ready for us to celebrate the sacrament of communion. And so your action item for this week, don't work for a world that is fair, work for a world that is just. And now receive this benediction. Go out into a world this week where you experience the grace and mercy of God and where you are invited into the vineyard. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love your neighbor, and go in peace.
We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us next Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. We'll continue our sermon series on the stories of Jesus. If you can't join us live, you can always listen to the recording of our service. You'll find that on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.